You're listening to Igniting Imagination, a podcast to spark the spirit within you from Wesleyan Investive and Texas Methodist Foundation. This season, we are sharing conversations about the five adaptive muscles the church must strengthen to be fit, agile, and ready for God's now. For more information about these muscles, visit tmf-fdn.org and click Leadership Ministry. Welcome, friends, to our new season of Igniting Imagination. I'm your host, Lisa Greenwood, and this season I'm joined by my colleagues, Blair Thompson-White and Scott Sharp. Welcome, you two. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. How are you doing? Our topic for this six-episode season is the five adaptive muscles, as you heard in the intro. Now, you might be wondering what the five adaptive muscles are, so that's what this episode is all about. Let's jump right in, and fair warning... We really plan to stretch this metaphor throughout the season as we talk about the muscles congregations need to strengthen and flex in order to be fit, agile, and ready for God's now. So Scott, you are really good at helping us exercise this metaphor. Would you share with us why this is a helpful image for you? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Lisa. Muscles are such an important part of our life. No matter what we do, everything we do involves a muscle. And we strengthen those, and sometimes they uh, get lack of attention, and they can be depleted. And <laughs> several years ago, I went through a season in which I had everything falling apart on my body, you know, ligaments oh, no. tearing and all that kind of stuff, which really kept me from exercising the way I like to because I've been a cyclist my whole life. And so to get back into my body and to know that I wasn't quite dead yet, I started training for an Ironman <laughs> triathlon and was able to no do way. that. That and sounds terrible. That. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, you know, it's a great day. It's one of the best days of my life. And then about a year later... Uh, Seriously, I, Scott, you did an Ironman? Yeah. I didn't know this about you. This and, is really fun. Okay, keep going. Okay. and But about a year later, I had another injury. And so I had to have surgery and it put me on crutches for 10 weeks. And so, you know, and, and I lost muscle in that. And then I was doing some other things and I quit riding my bike. I quit exercising. So fast forward a few years and this spring I took my kids to White Sands National Monument and I'm sitting on the tailgate of the truck and my daughter has my phone and she takes a picture of me. And later on, I flip through my phone and I see this picture. And here is this toad-like person sitting on the tailgate after I used to be this svelte and strong and muscular athlete. And it just made me realize how unattentive I had been to my muscular upkeep. And so I get the notion of how muscles can how they help us when we exercise them, how they atrophy and deplete when we when we don't, and the mm. difficulty it can be to restart and gain one's own, you know, health and, and physical strength again. And that's sort of the hardest thing we can do. Wow. That's great. Well, you have really painted a picture. I appreciate that. I just think we can all relate to this, right? I mean, we've all had those moments where we we kind of wake up and go, oh, my body has changed. Like I have lost this muscle mass that I had at some point, or, I mean, it, it really is. I think throughout our lives, we have these moments and, and then we uh, maybe try a new exercise, like a triathlon in your case. Like for me, it's, it's like walking. 
like, I think I'm going to go walk. Uh, but it, you know, you, you do something, uh, you maybe add a new exercise program and for a season, it helps you to get back in shape or to develop the muscles that you had lost. And I, I do think that's what we're talking about here. That's why it's such a great metaphor is that we are focusing on these adaptive muscles and this image of the body of Christ getting back in shape or uh, or maybe discovering these muscles for the first time in some cases, but that we've got to do consistent things in order to be fit and ready for God, as we're saying, ready for God's now. So I just, I love the metaphor and I, I think you're very courageous. You're doing a new one now, right? Like you have another one scheduled soon. So you're getting I, back in shape. I do. So, and, and having goals is really helpful. So I'm doing a half in December and another full one <laughs> next May. So, and, and I think that, that the other thing is about this muscles thing that, that it, it's the complementary nature of muscles. So if you only go to the gym and you only work on your arms with and you skip leg day every week, you know, you're going to you're not going to have the complementary strength that you can have and I don't mean just to power lift but to move through life. That's so good. That's so good. Well, this muscles metaphor has really worked for us as, as you can see we're we've been talking about all the different angles about how we exercise our muscles and how we need to stretch them and flex them and pay attention to all the different muscles and so so I want to back up a little bit and talk about how we got into this and um, and how we identified the the five muscles. So when the pandemic hit you know, everything shifted and we all were looking around and watching what was happening. And and pretty quickly, we realized it wasn't going away soon. And so what we did at TMF was we started gathering leaders on Zoom, of course, um, from across the country and asking them to share their experiences and observations. I mean, really, we simply asked two questions. What are you seeing? And what are you learning? And Layered into those conversations pretty quickly were issues of systemic racism and the disparities that coronavirus had surfaced that were already existing, of course. And so we listened to leaders at really every level of the church. And out of that surfaced some clear trends. And then we started floating those trends. Is, is this ringing true? Is this what you're seeing? And there was energy around these five areas. And Blair, would you talk about what the five muscles are? Yes, I'm going to talk about them, but I, I think I'll stop after everyone and just say, what else would you add to this, right? I mean, there is so much that we can say, and I want to just give like a, a quick overview, but but help me not to miss something as I go through okay. these, all right? So the first muscle is grieving well. And I think it is fair to say that we have shared these five muscles a lot over the last year, 18 months. And as we have shared about the five muscles the grieving well muscle is the one that people hone in the most. I mean, it's mm, the one yeah. that everyone, I mean, most recently we heard someone say, ah, we don't want to do that, but we know we have to. Like we yeah. know that that's the one we have to be attentive to right now. And I, I think that's right. And certainly grief is really present right now and uh, in so many ways. And it's, it's not just the losses that we face through the pandemic. I mean, that's a part of it. It's not even necessarily the loss of, of legacy members in congregation, like actual deaths that we've experienced, although that might be part of it. A lot of grief right. is tied up with, we're not the congregation we used to be, mm-hmm. or the loss of really the church's role in America, even how it's in yeah. decline. I mean, there's such complexity to this muscle. What else would you all add to that as we think about grief and grieving well in congregations? It seems to me too, Blair, that 
there's a notion about grief that is exponential. So everybody has grief. And when you add people together, it doesn't just go one to one to one to one. It just goes by the tens and the hundreds. You know, so our grief as a corporate body is so much more than just the number of people who are there. Yeah. And, and one of the things that kept coming up in conversation is that if we don't face into the loss that we're experiencing, as a congregation, as a culture, as an individual, as a family, if we don't face into the loss, it's really hard to hear the voice of God. It's mm. really hard to hear the cry of neighbor. It's it's really hard to move into our purpose and our calling if we if we can't name this this loss, this sense of what we're leaving behind, what we're yeah. letting go of. That's exactly right. And we haven't necessarily put these muscles in a particular order. And yet what you just said, like we do know that grief comes first. We know that attending to grief is so important if we are going to ultimately discern our purpose, because what happens, and I've talked to many experts about this, like Paula Dobbs Wiggins, who has had her own grief, but also, you know, as a real practitioner, as a psychiatrist. And she makes the point that oftentimes in congregations, when they're having leadership meetings and there is conflict and someone stands up and they're real angry about something, she says, usually there's grief there. Uh-huh. Usually there is underneath everything grief. And if you don't take time to create space for people to name it, like you're saying, then it is just going to keep showing up. And it's not that we want to make people feel shame for their grief or guilt for it. Like it's, it's holding it together and name and saying, this is here with us and we yeah. acknowledge it and we feel it. And we have a faith that gives us permission and invites us to name our grief and to hold it as, as we are in community together. And that brings me back to the muscles metaphor again. And that is to say that, you know, these aren't linear in the sense that like, if you think about how you exercise it's not like, okay, now I've, I've done my leg exercises. Now I'm finished. I can check that box and I can move on to the other, right? We, we get into a regular rhythm and rotation where it's important. And this goes back to your point, Scott, that you made, like how they're complementary, right? So you want to be in a, in a regular pattern and routine practice of exercising all the muscles because when we are talking about grieving well, it's not just like, okay, like now we've named our loss, now we can move on, but rather what's your regular practice of lament or naming the loss that helps us to then do the work that is before us in a leadership meeting or in worship or um, in our small group or those sorts of things. One congregation we worked with has, they've created a, a grief wall, a prayer wall outside so that to your point, it's a constant part of their life together. Yeah, Not that we nice. just grieve and move on, but that it's, it's there for us. And in fact, I think they're calling it their wailing wall. And nice. it's a place where people yeah. can come and pray oh. and, and oh. pin a prayer into the wall. But the fact that yes, we, grief is okay. We hold it together and it's part of our a part of our being and doing because we are a people of both grief and hope. We hold it together. Nice. Okay, so the next muscle is discerning purpose. Uh, second muscle, discerning purpose. So when we do discernment work in congregations, 
we often ask leaders to name the biblical story that they're inhabiting. And I just love that question. I think it's a John Thornburg question. Give a shout out to John. And oftentimes, so see if, check me on this statistic here, but I think our team has, has looked at it and determined that when congregations are asked, when teams are asked what's biblical story they're inhabiting, over 90% of them choose wandering in the wilderness. Is that right, Scott? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. so. So what that really points to, I mean, how I interpret that is that there's this reality that even if a congregation is doing stuff, you know, even if they have like a set of activities throughout the year, they still feel aimless. They still feel as if they're wandering in the wilderness and they don't really know the difference that God's calling them to make. It's a really important muscle for right now because so if we knew our purpose before the pandemic, man, the pandemic has shifted everything, right? So it feels like it's important for all of us, both as disciples and as as congregations to go, okay, now what what is God calling me to now? Where is the spirit leading me now as a, as a person, as a follower of Jesus, as a congregation? How do we see God present? So what do you all think about discerning purpose? Yeah, I, I again want to say this is not a one-time thing. Like we've discerned our purpose and we check that box and we move on to the next thing. But actually this is a posture of listening of discernment, of having conversation with God and with each other and truly listening for where God is leading us and what's the difference God is asking us to make in this time and in this place where we find ourselves. And so it's just an ongoing posture. I'm reminded of the uh, phrase from St. Ignatius of Loyola who once talked about the person who goes through discernment and then does all things but the one thing necessary finding our purpose, discerning that, and then sticking to it instead of doing, you know, sort of this, you know, ministry barrage or, you know, it's it's just such a big deal for churches. And that's a hard muscle to to really start working because it's easier to work every other Absolutely. muscle, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I think you're talking about sort of the doing, right? Um, and, you know, cl- classic Simon Sinek, if we start with our why, then the the how and the what will follow, right? And and I think we saw it so profoundly in the midst of the pandemic. Those congregations that were really clear on their why, really clear on their purpose, they were actually able to pivot more easily to a different kind of how, if you will. But the folks, the congregations that were all wrapped up in their activities but weren't clear on their purpose and all the activities shifted, that's where they found themselves really aimless. And so mm-hmm. it just became so clear to us that discerning purpose, having a posture of listening to where God is leading us can actually help us be nimble, agile, if you will, for this season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're seeing it now too. I mean, with now that the pandemic is is sort of easing up a little bit and we hope it will stay that way, certainly, we're really seeing in congregations this divide between let's go back to the way it was in 2019. Like this desire to kind of, as we would say in our, we, we use the language of preference versus purpose. So really the pull of the preference of people, like we wish it was like it used to be. So let's go back to that versus God's purpose, which is, you know, discerning, okay, now that we have this, for example, realization that so many people are connecting with us online instead of in person, like how does that shift our budget? How does it shift our priorities as right. a congregation? So, so you see congregations that are really challenged to set aside preference and and really dig into purpose. And, and that's one of the, the things that we'll be talking with our guests about too, of how do you really discern as a team what God is calling you to do in this season? 
The next muscle is walking alongside or neighboring. And when I say that, I, I think most of us really do think of like our actual neighbors next door. And that's a that's certainly part of it. Because so many of us, in the, I would think the last year and a half, we've gotten to know our neighbors more. That's certainly our case. We now consider our neighbors friends, whereas before the pandemic, we really didn't know them very well. So that's part of this, but it even is deeper. So walking alongside, it, there's a progression that we like to use. And we borrowed it from someone, and I can't tell you who it is that we did at this point. Point, but um, but it's there's the progression. What do we need to move from we welcome you to we stand with you to we need you? So that it's it's a movement towards mutuality, that, and that's really what walking alongside is all about. And it's very Wesleyan. It's so Wesleyan. Uh, we welcome you. I mean, that's a lot like provenient grace. We welcome you, accept you, we receive you before we even know you. Justifying grace, we stand with you. There's a standing together against the evil and injustice in the world. And then we need you, which is where we, we kind of move towards. It's the sanctifying grace. Like we're growing in love for one another and for God. So that's what neighboring invites us to do. And, and it helps us to consider our context in a new way. And, and the question that I love to ask with neighboring is like, how can we join in the work God is doing in our neighborhood already, in our community already? How do we join in that work? This is a lot about the building. I mean, how we use our physical space. It's changed. It's changed in the last 18 months. We see it differently now. It's now this asset for the community. Walking alongside, what are some of your thoughts about this? Blair, one of the things that stands out to me about this one, and because this is one where, you know, I personally struggle. I want to skip this muscle every week at the gym because I'm, you know, <laughs> but, but I have to be reminded that as you related this to the grace uh, the notion of grace. You know, Jesus said, love your neighbor. He did not say, like your neighbor. And neighboring mm. is sometimes really messy and difficult. It's hard, hard work because we don't all agree. We don't all get along. And yet, mm -hmm. this is one of the missional true norths of Jesus' ministry. You know, love your neighbor. Yeah, right. Because neighboring is helping us to think about befriending neighbors who are not like us, who may be on the opposite side of the political spectrum as we are. I mean, is this important for this current context in America or what? Like befriending people who are different than us. One of our guests that, that we'll hear in, in the podcast talked about, so, you know, we just took Jesus's words, love your neighbor, literally. And I'm like, okay, right there. You know, what if, what if we really took it literally and looked around us and got past ourselves, which you know, sometimes we get in the way, right? And figured out what it looked like to love our neighbor as a congregation, as individuals, walking alongside. That's a, so I think the next muscle goes right alongside it, of course, uh, yeah. which is about power. Because when you walk alongside somebody, there is in, in that image even, there's a, a mutuality. We've used that word a lot, but there's a shared power there. There's a back and forth. So the fourth muscle is distributing power distributing power. And one of the books I love to reference is a Jeremy Hyman's in his book, New Power. It was based on a Harvard Business Review article. So you can Google that. We'll put it in the show notes, Jeremy Hyman's, and you can read that, which is a really great summary of his book. Uh, but the book and is it's New Henry Power. And Henry Tims too. Oh, Henry Jeremy Tims. Jeremy yes. and Henry Tims. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. They say that like old power works like currency and it's held by few. And once you gain it, it's you jealously guard it. <laughs> and the, yeah. the powerful have a substantial store of it. 
and they store it up and they they then spend it. And it's, so it's a closed system. It's it's inaccessible. It's leader driven. It downloads. It captures. And then they say that new power is totally different. It's like a current. So I love that. Like old power is currency. New power is a current. It's made by many. It's, it's open. There's a flow to it, right? That current. Um, it's peer driven. It distributes. And so the goal with new power is not to hoard it, but to channel it. And it just sounds yeah. a lot like what we see in the book of Acts uh, with the Acts of the Apostles and where they're working yeah. together, empowered by the Spirit to do ministry in the name of Jesus. Again, when we look at the last 18 months, the pandemic, we've seen power shift. And I, yeah. I've heard so many pastors and members of congregations give examples like, you know, used to, uh, the whole service would be led by clergy. It'd be very pastor-centric. But now, because of the pandemic, we're all on Zoom, especially smaller congregations, and more people are pitching in with the service. They're offering their gifts and talents with music and and liturgy and all these things. And technology, technology, right? (laughs) Like we've had to lean on the gifts of our people more and not Mm -hmm. just professionalization of clergy and staff and to do the work of worship and and the gift of of praising God together and, and bringing our gifts together. So yeah, so we're seeing this as kind of an opening, right? That the pandemic has opened up a new way to see and understand power. Yeah, it also speaks, I think, directly to the place of the church in the community. This is what you were saying about, it's really connected to walking alongside. So distributing power within the congregation, but also how the church sees itself in the midst of the community. And, and I think for a long time, we in the church have seen ourselves as sort of the bringers of all things good. And so here, let us come and share with you out of our goodness and abundance and such, because you're in need, rather than understanding that that we are a partner alongside with our neighbors and the organizations in our community to help bring about a better world, right? And so if we can sort of let go of our understanding of our place in the center, if you will, or the uh, holders of power or, or of all things good, and understand that we're coming alongside others in our community, distributing that power in a way that says God is working through all of us and and how do we work together and collaborate to bring about good. There's a notion to distributing power that has to do with being invited into a situation where you have to ask better questions because it, it mm. makes mm. us think, it makes us battle, it makes us work hard, it makes us welcome unknowns. And, you know, the power that comes with that of greeting those kinds of moments, I think, has been clearly demonstrated in this last couple of years, you know, as churches really start to figure out what is our voice here. I also think we can't talk about distributing power without talking about white supremacy and Mm -hmm. the centrality of whiteness um, in our culture and what it means to literally decentralize and let go of and distribute voice and personhood and honor and dignity and uh, and we've got a long way to do that in our culture and we absolutely have a long way to go in the church and so distributing power feels like a muscle that is absolutely essential right now for our ability to live into the gospel if we have a shared power then it brings everybody to the table different points of view again from acts right like the holy spirit brings all these people together yeah. and they all in their own languages they can hear and they're in this community and then 
that's when imagination gets going. I think when you really have the opportunity to hear one another and to come together and to share from a diverse perspective. And, and so that's, that's the last muscle expanding imagination. I want to draw an important distinction here between adapting and innovating Hmm. because it feels like we got to make that distinction because we have done a great job of adapting through the pandemic. And I think congregations did this in amazing ways. I mean, I, I was serving a congregation at the time and in three days we went from having no online worship service to having an online worship service, right? So, I mean, very quickly, we're all doing Facebook Live and figuring out camera angles and sound and that's adapting. And we did that really well during the pandemic. We're still doing that. And that's not innovating. That's not innovating. That's not necessarily expanding imagination to the degree that we're talking about. So how do we do that? I, I think there is something really important in expanding imagination. That is this invitation to learn something new. Like there is a part of it that's like, what do we, what do we not know? Like, who do we need to talk to to invite us to think about things in a new way, right. to try a new thing? So it, it does involve this willingness to take risks and to fail. And failure is a hard thing. We're not that right. used to that in the church. We like things that we know are going to work. And we like to invest in things that we know are going to pay off in the ways that we are used to counting what is success, which is typically in numbers of people. So this is really interesting because expanding imagination is inviting us to try something new, to be okay with failure, and to try to find new metrics for what a successful endeavor looks like. You know, Recently, I was talking with a congregation who they're shifting around some of the way they're spending money and they are hiring a digital discipleship pastor. I mean, that's, that's who would have thought before the pandemic that you would have a pastor whose whole job is to create online church and to foster that community. So that's the kind of things we're seeing is like, how do we really push our resources towards new ways of bringing people together? It might be worth just stating the obvious here that Expanding imagination is important because we know we can't just keep doing what we've always been doing, that we're having a crisis of relevancy in our culture as the church. And so, so we need to expand the possibilities and, and um, try things and experiment. And because when we don't have imagination, we can't see what it is God is doing in our midst. Right. We lose the capacity to have eyes to see and hearts to experience what the Holy Spirit is doing. And so we just feel like ultimately all of these muscles work together in a profound way. But this expanding imagination feels very like tuned in to the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes. I love that. I think that's exactly right. I think the only thing I have to add is there are times when we think about imagination and we kind of lump it in with this notion of creativity, which I think does kind of go there. Mm. But often we think of creativity as a solo work. And I think it's mostly done actually collaboratively. Uh, you know, you might yeah. have a solo artist, mm. but they have, they, they stand on a foundation of what has been come before. And I think we're best in terms of expanding imagination when we have, as Lisa said, that notion of the Holy Spirit in that space between us, where that's kind of the conduit or the current, so to speak, as you referenced earlier, Blair. I think that that notion of collaboration and community, rather than the lone creative person out there, uh, is really what we've seen and has seed to make things different. It's really good, Scott. 
that's the overview of the five muscles. Did did you get them down? Did we say, I mean, we, we ended up talking quite a bit about them, didn't we? But I think <laughs> it's just hard not to name them and you want to get into it, right? And I hope that that's what this podcast is going to do for folks. Like that it will, you know, the guests that we bring on to talk about each of these muscles will help people back in uh, leadership boardroom meetings to have conversation around these because that's really it just like we've done here today right i mean let's talk mm-hmm. about in our context what do these muscles mean how are we seeing them how could we flex them and so yeah so grief purpose walking alongside or neighboring power distributing power and expanding imagination i mean that's those are the five adaptive muscles and i think it's worth saying that we've tried this out quite a bit now like we we have exercise these in congregations and flex them and strengthen them. And what we keep hearing is that like, this is, these are the muscles we should be working on right now. And, yeah. and really for the foreseeable future, because as we've said over and over again, these, this is not a one and done kind of thing. I mean, you can't just run around the block once and think you're back in shape. I mean, it's a constant, constant thing. And I was, I was thinking, I love Scott, your opening story. So Lisa, did you have one? I'm curious what you, do you have like an exercise story that we can, have fun with and and use as part of our metaphor. (laughs) Vulnerability is not my strong suit. So here (laughs) goes, right? um, I recently went to exercise class with a friend and, and she'd been doing this class and really loved it, loved this instructor. And I'm like, cool, I'm game. Okay, friends. We did like burpees (laughs) and planks and all kinds of different lunges and, Everything on my body hurt for days. (laughs) I had so much fun in the class, right? But I mean, hurt for days. Here's the thing. I exercise every day. I do. Mm. Like every day I exercise. And on the weekends, I ride my bike and I like, I'm not somebody who does nothing. (laughs) But here's what it reminded me. Like just because I'm exercising or doing something doesn't mean that I'm actually doing all that my body needs to stay fit and agile. So it was a real, it was a real wake up that I need to be doing more and I need, I need the whole breadth, right? I can't just get on my elliptical for my 20 minutes and check that box and think that I'm, that I'm actually doing what my body needs. And so, I mean, the analogy is obvious, right? But I, I think sometimes we get on a treadmill, if you will, in the church of doing things and thinking that we are like doing all that we need to do when in fact, you know, perhaps we're missing some big pieces. And so, you know, just one more quick thing. And, and that is that, you know, we were really careful as we thought about these muscles and used the analogy of the muscles and, and put the word adaptive in front of them to say, these are not prescriptive activities. This is not saying do these 10 things and you'll grow as a church or you'll you know be healthy and those sorts of things. We really see these as kind of foundational muscles so that you can do the kinds of activities you need to do in order to live into that calling that you have from God to be fit and agile and ready for this season. So good. Blair, do you have a story? So my story is that I just had a baby and mm-hmm. uh, it turns out your body changes a lot yeah. when you have a baby. And I think I was in denial for that, like pretty much up until now. Uh, because now, I mean, we've had the baby, she's like three months old now. And, and yeah, so I'm trying to work out again. And 
it turns out like I can't do what I used to be able to. Like right. I don't have abs anymore. I don't know where they went, but they're not like they're gone. <laughs> oh. uh, so I, I like, I'm trying to do plank and it's really hard. And I used to be able to do that. And yeah. uh, so I think, I guess for me, like to draw that metaphor out is like, even for congregations that have birthed something new, Hmm. even then, like even then, it's still important to exercise these muscles. There's still work to do. You still got to stay in shape. You can't just be static. It's so important. put everything into the new thing and not look at the whole, right? I love this. I love this image (laughs) in Sweet Abby. Yes, well, yes, for sure. And I will say too that, that there is something about these muscles, when you work out with people, like I hear that's what you're mm. saying too, Lisa, like you're, you have a buddy that you're working out with and it's challenging you to, to do new exercises in new ways. And same for me, like I've joined this fitness app with other people and we're virtually doing these workouts together and, and Scott, you doing your triathlon, like there is being in community with people. It holds us accountable. It helps us to see ourselves in new ways. And I, and again, that's very Wesleyan that as congregations, we do this work together. We're better together. Yeah. Yeah. We're more courageous. We're more innovative. Yes. We're better together. Well, thank you, Scott and Blair. This has been a great time with you. And 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 friends, thank you for listening. We hope you'll join us for this season about the five adaptive muscles. And if you find this conversation helpful, We do hope you'll share it with a colleague or your leadership team and rate and review our podcast. (laughs) We asked our friend Jen Bailey, co-founder of Faith Matters Network and a Locke Innovative Leader Award recipient, to write a blessing for those who are exercising these muscles. So we'll conclude with this. These are times that seek to steal our breath. I invite you to pause. Feel the air in your lungs. As you inhale and exhale, may you be reminded that your life is a miracle. You are a miracle. May you remember that your breath ties you to all living things, and you are therefore never alone. God is with you. Spirit is with you. All you have to do is stop and breathe. May it be so. Igniting Imagination is a production of the leadership ministry team at Wesleyan Investive and Texas Methodist Foundation with excellent editing support from Truthwork Media. The beautiful music in our episode is from Mark Miller. For more information about Mark, visit his website at markamillermusic.com and find his music on YouTube. Check out our show notes and website for more information about all our guests and how you can follow them. I'm Blair Thompson-White, and from all of us at Leadership Ministry, thanks for listening. And now we give you... Mark Miller. God has work for us to do. God has work for us to do. Till God's will is done and all things are made new. God has work for us. Work for us to do.